Hello, everyone. I am Melinda Brianna Epler, founder and CEO of Change Catalyst and author of How to Be an Ally. I'm your host of Leading with Empathy and Allyship. Welcome. Allyship is about learning, showing empathy, and taking action. That process often includes learning, unlearning, and relearning, then building empathy for people with different experiences, and above all, taking consistent action. So each week we'll learn from somebody new. Please be open to new ways of thinking and understanding. You can learn more about my work and sign up to join us for a live recording at ally.cc. Let's get started. Today, our guest is Dima Gowie, who is a diversity, equity, and inclusion influencer at Dima Gowie LLC. We'll be discussing generational inclusion in the workplace. So we'll talk about the different generations, some generational divides that can come into play in our workplaces. And then we'll also get into the details specifically about Gen Y or millennials and Gen Z. As Gen Y and Gen Zers can rise in our organizations, how can we all put aside our biases or assumptions about each other, support one another, and then set ourselves up for success so that everybody thrives together? So welcome, Dima. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you, Melinda. I'm so excited to be here. All right. So can you tell us a bit about your story from where you grew up to your path to doing the work that you do today? Yeah, I am Middle Eastern American. I was born in Turkey and raised in Jordan in the Middle East. I moved to the U.S. in 96 and I've been here since then. Um, my background is I was raised in a very, very conservative Catholic community. A lot of people automatically have certain assumptions related to their religion when they hear about being Middle Eastern. But as a woman from that community, I had to deal early on with a lot of uh, biases, discrimination. And that's why I'm so passionate about my work in DEI, giving voice to individuals and opening doors of opportunities that many people they have not had in the past. So I, I believe my work is helping individuals grow and develop and uh, improve their skills, but at the same time, work with executives and helping them understand the biases that are happening in the workplace and addressing these biases so they can create these opportunities. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, are we're talking about generational diversity today. Can you share a bit about why you started working on that specifically? Yeah, it is one of the aspects of DEI, right? It is the diversity of age. In the last few years, right after the murder of George Floyd, there was a lot of focus on race, which is so good and so much needed. And now organizations are trying to look into other aspects in addition to race um, of diversity. So whether it is generational, whether it is neurodiversity, whether it is a lot of these other things. So now we have Gen Z and Gen Z, they are between seven years old and 23. And the ones that are in their early 20s, they're either interns at organizations or they are just finishing college and they're starting their full-time jobs. And so many employers are not ready for them. They assume that they're going to have millennials forever. <laughs> they didn't realize <laughs> they didn't realize that okay, their millennials are one generation. It's gonna be done, and then we're going to have a whole new group of individuals, new group of employees that will have different 
values, different things that they're looking for in an employer. And they are very, very different. Even a lot of Gen Zers, they get offended when we call them millennials. They say, no, I'm not a millennial. I am a Gen Z. So that's why I'm passionate about it. It's an aspect of diversity and it is a way of creating an inclusive work culture, regardless of the age of the employee. Awesome. So uh, can you share a bit about the different generations within our workplaces today? What are those different generations? Yes. So currently we have six generations that are alive and um, I'll give you the names and the ages real quick and then I'll dig deep into them. And I'm going to read the ages just so I wouldn't mess up, <laughs> mess up anything. So we have the builders and the builders, they are 75 plus. We still have some builders in the workplace. Either they absolutely love what they do or they cannot afford retirement, but not a lot. And then we have the baby boomers and the baby boomers, that was the last generation that was named by the government. Um, so it's interesting, where do the names come from? And that was the last one. And it's the big booming babies after the war. Mm -hmm. The baby boomers are interesting because right now, and they are, to give the age, they're 56 to 74 years old. And all of the numbers I'm going to give related to the age, they're not set in stone. So different research may have different ages, but they're close. They're close. The interesting thing about baby boomers, 10,000 baby boomers are reaching retirement age every single day in the U.S. Wow. So that is interesting because half of them, they, based on this research, they say that they're going to continue to work beyond 70 years old. And 35% of that say that they never imagined retiring because of financial burdens that they have they're dealing with. So that as employers, it's so important to think about from different aspects. One is for the ones that are ready to retire, and we're going to see major retirement, are do we have a transition plan? And if not, then we need to do that. And the uh, ones that for the employees that are not ready to retire, what do we need to do to keep them in feeling included and to continue to motivate them? But also not to inhibit the growth of the, especially in a hierarchy for individuals that are waiting for the baby boomers to retire in order to get the job. So it's interesting, the different dynamics that are going on. Now, Gen X, and this is my generation. Gen X is anyone between 39 and 55. And we are, we're called the middle child. And, you know, like we're the ignored middle child because we're between these two humongous generations, the baby boomers and the millennials. And in many cases, we have we did not get as much attention, whether it is from the parents, but also from the marketers. The marketers are so fascinated by these generations and, and the names like the Gen X, the millennials, they're all given by marketers because they need to know what we value so they can target us and make mm -hmm. us uh, buy stuff. Make us and, make money off of us. <laughs> and make money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is knowing your audience, right? And it's interesting because with the millennials, they initially called them Gen Y, but... 
then they're like, wow, this generation is so cool to be called just a Gen Y. We're going to call them millennials. And now a lot of millennials, they don't want to be associated with this generation because the negative uh, stereotype that we have about it. And they're like, no, we're Gen Y. So it's so confusing depending on the person we're working with. So, yeah, so I mentioned the millennials, they are 24 to 38. And the uh, interesting thing about millennials, we still call them the kids. You know, like these kids, the young generation, they're about to turn 40. <laughs> they're, not, <laughs> they're not kids anymore. But many of them are in leadership roles and they're decision makers. So that is a humongous generation. And then we have Gen Zers, and that's the, the one I was mentioning. Gen Z, they're uh, 7 to 23. And this is a whole new generation that a lot of research is being done on them right now to figure out how they're going to be in the workplace. And you and I will get to talk about that. They are very different. They're determined. They know they're about, they're supposed to be driving change. They're so focused on diversity and inclusion. And again, we'll spend some time on that. And then yeah. the youngest generation is between one and seven. So uh, they're called alpha. And they're still babies. They're, we're still, they're still trying to figure out things. They're still playing with Legos and the little kid toys. But it's interesting. Sometimes I see research about alpha in the workplace. And I'm like, how do they know? There, like, it's so early to even say that. So I'll just share a few interesting things and then we'll dig into the millennials and Gen Z. So the millennials tend to be the children of baby boomers and alpha tend to be the children of Gen Xers. And that's why whenever I have baby boomers complaining about the millennials, I tell them, you raise them. Now you have to work <laughs> with yeah yeah no, interesting interesting yeah yeah you know I I'm Gen X too and and um you know back back when they were just kind of when Gen Y when the millennials were just starting to come into the workplace we were we were called the translator generation right that we could translate between boomers and baby boomers and Gen Y because we knew a time before computers before smartphones we could kind of understand baby boomers and also. We were, you know, transfixed in technology. I mean, we're fully in technology, so we can be that translator between the two. But we are the small, the smallest in there too, which um, is interesting as you're talking about it. And baby boomers retiring, then the next wave is the smallest generation of all of them um, that's coming up. And, and so that's an interesting thing I hadn't really thought about before. So yeah, we we spoke about ageism in the workplace with Jeff, Jeff Tidwell in episode 45. So if anybody's interested in that topic, please go check out that episode too. We'll put it in our show notes at ally.cc. We talked about significant age divides in our workplaces there too. And there we focused more on baby boomers and, and people who are nearing retirement age that are being discriminated against and um, in the workplace. So here we'll be focusing more on Gen Y or millennials and uh, Gen Z. So uh, before we get there, though, could we talk a bit about where you see some workplace issues coming up between the generations? What What's happening between generations that makes it so important for us to work on this and, and to actively create change in our workplaces to be more inclusive? 
for the younger generations? Yeah, that's such a good question. The main issue is related to communication and our work style. So for example, with baby boomers, their value, the most important thing for them is hard work. And you, you may have heard baby boomers brag about being the first person in the office and the last person to leave because that legacy creation is so important to them of mm. how hard they work. That is a big part of their identity. So as they, if we look at the absolute extreme, for example, with millennials, work is important, but they're not living to work. They want to have a life. They want to have a quality of life. And to them, what is so important is a balance. So, so that's when we start seeing baby boomers complaining about the millennials and saying things like, oh, they're lazy, they're entitled. It's mm. not that they're lazy and entitled. They're just not willing to dedicate every second of their life to work because they believe, like the boomers, they believe that this is part of their identity. And what it's important for us to keep in mind with the boomers there was the concept of lifetime employment, right? So mm. they worked for a company mm. and they were so loyal to the company all their life. And at that time, they had the gold watch, remember? Like when, when, you, when you work 25 years for an employer, you get your gold watch. And it was a big deal. But a lot of organizations, they lost this loyalty because they stopped being loyal to their employees. They were laying off employees, offshoring, automating. And we started seeing, for example, Gen Xers and mainly millennials observe the more senior generations. And they're like, I don't want to dedicate all my life to an employer where they're going to cut my job in a heartbeat. So the lifetime employment changed. And as a result, now we have a lot of people shifting jobs. So when we talk about the generational clash, this is one, like how we value uh, the loyalty to an employer. But another one related to the generational clash, and this is this is like so, so tough, where baby boomers, they like to have face-to-face -face meetings. They like to have, you know, the body language and the interaction and to debate things and to talk about all of this, where if we look at the extreme, the millennials, many of them, when they went to college, if they went to college, they were doing their homework from Starbucks. So to them, it just, they cannot understand why can't they just work from home or from Starbucks if the work gets done? While the boomers, they want to make sure everybody's in the office, they're watching them, they're counting the hours, and it's very, very different. So to millennials, to them, it's just a matter of getting the work done, doing it well, and using technology. Like that causes a lot of conflict right now. So yeah. it's interesting. Some of my clients, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think you're going to go there too. Is, is there so many companies now after the pandemic were going back to the workplace and trying to force people to go back to the workplace or encourage, strongly encourage people to go back to the workplace. And there is this push and pull that is happening. And um, where the companies are losing talent as a result of that, or they're they're losing the 
that loyalty because um, you've now taken that that away from people that that um, found that natural. And there's so many different reasons why why people are working would rather work remotely. And is that where you were gonna where you were gonna go with that? Yeah, yeah, that's such a great point. What you said, and to a lot of them, they saw like during the pandemic that they were able to work from home mm-hmm. and get the work done and accomplish things and the team didn't fall apart. So it's interesting. As long as we have baby boomers and Gen Xers in senior leadership role, I believe we're not going to see as much flexibility as the millennials and Gen Zers would like. And it's interesting when we talk about Gen Z, when we get to that point, Gen Zers are an interesting generation. Can you believe they like face-to-face interaction? (laughs) They're very different than millennials. They're like baby boomers with a lot of technology. They love technology, but they're hungry for the connection and they want to have the Mm in-person interaction. Related to technology right now, with these generations, we have a major gap also focused on technology. I'm repeating myself. So... I work with some clients that still use fax machines, which is hilarious. Once, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Good question. One, one client has 55 fax machines in their office and they maintain them every year. They pay for oh, somebody wow. to go there and maintain it. And we have a whole new thing going on related to AI and uh, like artificial intelligence. So you see a major gap. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that the younger generations are going to be more towards the AI, but you're going to see some individuals that are still having filing cabinets and printing stuff and putting it in the Mm -hmm. filing cabinet while others are doing all of these cool things with like with chat GPT and technology and all of it. So And to answer your question, there's a lot of dynamics going on that are causing the generational gap. Yeah, very interesting. And and I think it depends too. There's there's definitely different industries that are moving faster, changing faster than others too. Some are... And I always suspect in some industries, I know in some some industries, you'll find more file cabinets, more fax machines, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and in others, you they've never been there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's so funny. Yep. So today we are going to focus more now on on Gen Y or millennials and also Gen Z. So let's talk about attracting and hiring, and then we'll talk about retaining and managing as well. So in terms of attracting and hiring the people from those two generations, and actually, before I go further, I just want to note that we're talking generalizations here. No one, no generation, no person is a monolith. No generation is a monolith. There's ebb and flow. There's definitely as a Gen Xer, there's a lot that resonates for me when you talk about Gen Y or Gen Z even. And so I think it's really important that we, you know, we're talking in generalizations so that you can have a better sense of how to create systems and processes and and cultures that are more inviting, welcoming, safe, and create a sense of belonging for folks. But then you, of course, it's really important not to make assumptions about people based on their generations too, that these ideas can kind of help you think about creating change. And then when you're interacting one-on-one, get to know people allow them to be who they are, 
support them in the unique human beings that they are, right? So I just want to uh, just make a note of that before we continue. Yeah. And before you go to the next question, I am so glad you brought this up because sometimes I have millennials that associate more with the baby boomer quality or baby boomers say, no, I feel like a millennial. And that takes us back to what is a generation, right? Uh, so, and we, I should have started with that. It is a group of people that are born around a similar time frame at a similar place. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I mentioned earlier that I am a Gen X based on the years that I was born, but I was born in the Middle East. So, I would be very different as a Gen X with the social aspects, the political aspects, the economical aspects that I had to deal with compared to you as a Gen X being in the U.S. And one time I remember that was before the pandemic. I was giving a keynote about this topic and I had a global audience. So people from all around the world meeting in the U.S. and we got to talk about the generations. And it was so fascinating for me how they did not relate to any of the things I was talking about. So the Americans were like, yeah, this makes sense. This makes sense. So that's when we're talking about these generations. Mm -hmm. Just keep in mind that there's American specific here in the U.S. You take the same information. It's not going to apply in other countries. And I mentioned earlier the political, economical, social, and technological factors that shape us. So this is called a PEST, P-E-S-T. And think about every generation, how they have been influenced with these political, economical, social, and technological since they were growing up and how that shaped them, shaped their values, shaped what motivates them. So for example, like with the baby boomers related to like growing up with a war and after the war, the depression Think about the Gen Xers and how we were influenced with a lot of things like with 9-11. So that was major for us. When you think about the millennials and how they were influenced with technology, social media, and even a lot of them after they finished college, if they went to college, they hit the recession in 2008. So that shaped part of who they are. And now Gen Zers with like the school shooting that's affecting them as a generation related to their sense of uh, safety and the fear that they're constantly feeling going to school and worrying about school shooting. And that's going to shape them as a generation, not just as an individual, but also as an employee. So keep that past in mind as you're thinking about these different generations. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So to back to where we were um, in terms of attracting and hiring, Gen Y and Gen Z? What should we be thinking about? What can folks be thinking about as they're trying to attract and then hire and hire Gen Y and Gen Z? Okay. So one of the things that is so important, and I'm going to start with it, is millennials and Gen Z. And I'm looking for the things that are in common uh, with them. We'll talk about things that make them different if you want later. But they value diversity, equity, and inclusion. So if an employer is not showing their dedication related to this topic, I can tell you that it's going to be very difficult for them to attract 
individuals, again, without generalizing from these generations. They are, this is the generation that both of them, that they grew up and they're used to seeing diversity, that whether it is from kindergarten, from school, from universities. And if they go for, to work for an employer and everybody is homogeneous, especially at a leadership role, they're just not going to stay. And that's why it is frustrating for a lot of employers where they automatically assume that this these generations are lazy and not committed. Well, maybe we need to look inward and ask ourselves, are we really creating an inclusive work culture? So they're checking the website. If the website doesn't show information about the organization's value for DEI, the social media if it's not showing that. If they go to see their leadership team and they see the board being homogeneous, they automatically know that this is not going to be an organization that they're going to fit in. So this makes me very happy and it makes me extremely hopeful for, for the future. Right now, we live in a world that there's still a lot of resistance to DEI, as sad as it is. And I believe that once we get more millennials in decision-making roles and leadership and now Gen Z, Gen Z, they're going to be on steroids related to their value for DEI, we're, we're going to see a major change. So before I go to next one, tell me what are your thoughts about this? Like, what are you seeing related to what I just mentioned? Hmm. Ah, uh, interesting. I was going to ask you what the differences were because <laughs> I think that oh, is yeah. really important too. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, um, that in general, the Gen X and Gen Y and Gen Z it, increasingly so are more focused on social impact, wanting to have purpose attached to their work. They're also, you know, this is general, but I see also that in addition to purpose, that workplace we talked about earlier, where you can be flexible, where you can live your life and integrate work into your life, however you want to, whether you want to, however you want to. And those two things are really key for me. Um, Yeah. So what are some of the differences? I'll tell you the differences in a second, but there's one point I want to mention to a lot of them, they want to make sure, and this is still the similarity, they want to make sure that their employer's focus is not just on the bottom line. The bottom line is so important, but they want to make sure that their employer is focused on making a difference in the community, that they're not causing pollution or issues in the community. To them, it is beyond just the bottom line, beyond even just the salary. And that also makes me very hopeful. I know it makes it very difficult for employers, especially if they are being led by Gen X and boomers. And we're thinking like, can people just go to work and do their work and go home? Like, why do we have to be doing all of these other things? But their mentality is they want purpose. They want meaning, whether it is within their job or uh, within what the organization represents. And that is really, really good. So now let's talk about things that make them different. And to me, it is so funny. So now when we started working on helping organizations understand the millennials, we talked to them about importance of teamwork and bring down all of the separating walls from the offices, open this a fun space for everybody to get to work together and to engage and And now a lot of organizations, they did that. They 
took out the offices. They created open space. I think they call it like agile work environment. And the tricky thing with the Gen Zers, they don't want that. They want their own office. <laughs> so now organizations. Does anybody really want to be in an open plan? I don't know. I don't know if that's <laughs> maybe the extroverts did. And uh, this early, the introverts were not ready. Yeah. yeah. So they want their own space and they want to, they don't want everybody to get an award and a trophy. They are very competitive. And that is similar to the baby boomers. So when I mentioned to you earlier, Gen Zers are like baby boomers with all the technology. This is one of the qualities of baby boomers. They're very competitive. Each one wants, like the in general, they want to win. They don't want the whole team to win. They want to be the person that wins. And that is another quality related to Gen Z. Competitive. They want their own space. They don't want everybody to get the trophy. And they want to prove themselves. And I think that's wonderful. It's just different than what we've been doing the last few years. Yeah, yeah. And and I will circle back to what I was thinking about earlier too, because I think this is really important for folks to realize too, is the number of LGBTQIA plus folks who are coming up in the generations and identifying, actively identifying and coming out sooner and earlier in their their lives and feeling safe to do so. A lot of people obviously still don't feel safe, but there's a huge percentage, a much bigger percentage of uh, Gen Y and Gen Z who are out as they get into the workplace. And um, it's, it's significant. It's, it, it, I'm just looking at um, baby boomers, it's 2.8%, whereas Gen Z is 20 something percent, right? So that's a significant a difference. And, and um, the same as you look at the different LGBTQIA plus uh, folks and the different ways that people identify is, is also significantly different as you get into Gen Y and Gen Z. So I think that's something for people to be aware of too, that often the baby boomers and Gen Xers, are just, it's, it's a newer um, for a lot of people. And we just didn't have role models when we were growing up, but now there are role models. Now, now there is more active media presence um, for people who are LGBTQIA+. And, and as a result, we have a lot more people who are out um, in the younger yeah. generations. Yeah. And allies too. That is something I'm so impressed with. My assistant, she is so supportive to the LGBTQ plus community. And I w- I'm so happy, but I could not understand the extent of how or why she wants to be such an ally. And I asked her one time, I said, to tell me, and especially in her situation related to the transgenders. So I asked her like, why, why, why? Like, help me understand. And she said, Dima is social media. So in her situation on Instagram, on TikTok, she's able to hear their stories. And that is so powerful. The power of stories, when she connects with their stories and their pain and the depression and suicide rate and how many of them they get to be homeless, being kicked out of their homes. She resonated so much with that. And as a result, she wants to be an ally. And that is different than when I grew up. When I grew up, and I'm curious to hear about you as well. When I grew up, it was a very protective environment. So the parents were, we didn't obviously have social media. The media didn't cover any of that. And the parents were so protective related to who I interacted with. So I didn't get exposed to other people's stories. I did not 
feel their pain, specifically the LGBTQ plus community. So most of my life, I didn't understand. And that's different now with the millennials and Gen Zers. So what is your thought about that? Well, I'm, I'm bisexual, but I would say that I didn't know terminology to define that mm-hmm. for, for years. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it just wasn't something that, that people talked about. And certainly there were no out bisexual people in the stories that we hear. Right. And yeah. And I think that the, the issue too is still that there is a divide um, by generation, by the digital divide too, where people, or a social media divide maybe, where the people who are on social media follow transgender issues and learn and build empathy and understanding for people's unique experiences. And the people who are not on social media may not ever have that experience because they still didn't grow up and learn and understand um, what are the different letters in the, in the LGBTQIA plus alphabet, what do they mean, and and um, what's possible for, you know, what are those different terms that might fit my identity, right? So I think that we still have a divide there within our workplaces where some people know the, that know that terminology, have role models and understand, and other people just still have not been exposed. Yeah. I want to mention one thing, and with my clients, there's still a lot of resistance related to the LGBTQ plus community. Many of them, they're still not comfortable to celebrate Pride Month or to even talk about it or acknowledge this topic. And it's still a big challenge where the employees are asking for this, but the leadership team, they're in a whole different place and they're, they're not ready for it. So that there's still a big gap. I'm glad that you mentioned the statistics. I want to give you a bigger statistics related to diversity. So with the baby boomers, 22% of the baby boomers are diverse. I like everything, everything can, grouped together. Can you, can you define diverse? You mean people who with uh, who are underrepresented? Uh, ethnic, yeah. So oh, okay. uh, related okay. to race, related, to, yeah, yes, okay. related to to ethnicity, yes. With the new uh, generation, Gen Z. Almost half of them are diverse related to race and ethnicity. So that shows you like the major shift that is going on as well right now. Mm, got it. Got it. So there's a, so yeah. 50% of those generations are from underrepresented racial and ethnic identities. Yeah. 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 Um, so I want to mention, we were talking earlier about what makes them different, the millennials and Gen Zers. So I'll mention one more thing, because this is going to be a major impact for employers. So education, the value of education is so important. So my generation, we were taught early on, get educated. Bachelors is not enough. You need to get masters. You need to keep getting certifications. And I love education. Education changed my life. But now we have a lot of millennials graduating with big student loans that they have to keep paying off for the rest of their lives. I know one person that finished a history degree from LSU, Louisiana State University, and she has $150,000 in student loans. That's unrealistic. And she got a government job that's paying her $30,000. So imagine (laughs) how much she has to pay. So now Mm. the Gen Zers, they're starting to question that. They're not questioning the value of education. They still see that it is important, 
but they don't want to live all their life paying student loans. So we're going to start seeing a lot of Gen Zers choosing not to go to college. And what that means, either they're going to go to community college, so they're not going to a university, a four-year institution. Instead, they may go to a community college or they may choose to go to a technical college. So we're going to see more demand for this one-year program or six-month program. And what that means, a lot of organizations, they need to improve their training and development program because a lot of these Gen Zers are going to join and they're going to expect their employer to train them. So that's a new thing that where many are not ready for that. We haven't seen the significance yet because a lot of the Gen Zers that we're getting as of now, they're still influenced with the millennial way. But when you're starting to see more and more finishing high school, this is going to be a big shift. And they don't want to go to a four-year college if they do and just learn theories, which I know I got a lot of that when I finished my bachelor's, when I worked on my master's, tons of theories and things really that did not apply in the real world. So they want a return on investment. They want to, if they go to college at the university, they want to make sure that what they're learning, they can go out and they can apply it. So I love that. I absolutely love it. I think it is very much needed and it's going to challenge the universities and it's going to create a new dynamic for employers because now they have to work on their talent development. Unless if it's a like for being a doctor and attorney, mm. for sure. Like, I hope they go, I hope they go to the university, but a lot of other ones they don't need and they can, we can train them on that. Hmm. So as a manager, if I have Gen Y and Gen Z team members, what are like the top three things that you would say I should be thinking about as I'm looking to support them? A very important one is discussing their career path and giving them feedback constant feedback. When I was in the corporate world, I was getting initially feedback once a year in the annual performance review. And thank goodness that didn't happen to me. But a lot of people, they thought they were doing a good job all year long. And then they would meet with their manager and the manager says, you're bad. <laughs> I'm not happy with your performance. So, but they never got feedback. They never knew that something was going wrong. Then some organizations, what they started doing is doing the uh, mid-year review in the summer. And just most of the time, it is informal. That doesn't work with millennials and Gen Z. They need feedback. And not because they're a pain and they constantly want us to give them awards, they want to make sure that they are doing a good job. And if there is an issue that they would improve it with that before waiting for the official review, and then they would be shocked. So talk about their career. Talk about, make sure you're doing one-on-one. -on -one. Talk about training, development, and performance, What how they're doing. Some companies, what, what they started doing is they created an app where the manager can provide constant feedback, like thumbs up or something to their employees to keep providing them with input. I love it. I love it because I don't think the old way really worked for many employees. 
And now it just, as managers, we need to make the time to focus on the growth, to focus on development. So that is one of the topics. The other one is explain the why. And this is very frustrating to many Gen Xers and baby boomers because they're like, why do I need to keep explaining the why? Why do these millennials and Gen Z keep asking why? We automatically would assume, my generation would assume that the younger generations, they're resisting work if they keep asking why, 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 why do we need to do that? Why do we need to do it this way? And it's not that they're resisting. It's just they're, they need to understand why the work needs to happen a certain way and to add value, maybe they can bring technology or improve the process so they can do it better. So anytime you're meeting with a team, make sure you're, and I know sometimes that we have urgent tasks and we don't have the time to pause and explain the why, but when it's not urgent, build a relationship where you're helping them understand your thought process and get their their input on how it can be done better. Because um, I, I know I used to hear this a lot where I was told, well, this is how it's always been done. or But, but <laughs> with this new generation, they don't want to do it the way it's always been done, right? The world changed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then I'll give you a third one. I'll give you a third one and then, because um, I know you asked for three. The third one is flexibility. And that is so important because with these generations, they, they're trained when they're in school that they can do their work from home. They can do it from Starbucks. And I understand that some jobs cannot be done virtual. So if a person is a teller, how can you be a teller doing this work from your home, right? But the managers need to be flexible of uh, related to making sure if an employee Let's say they have a family situation, maybe even work, change their work hours instead of everybody starting from eight or nine to five. Maybe some employees would want to start a little later and end a little later. So flexibility and understand from the team, what do they need and how can you support them as a manager? So these are some of the things I recommend. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, the last question for you is, this is a show about action. So we learn and we take action and we have people from probably every single generation in there, maybe not the youngest ones, maybe the alpha is not yet, but, um, but the rest, <laughs> uh, we have listeners in all of those different generations. So what is one action would you, that you would like people to take coming away from this talk? Yeah, I think it is just like anything related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Talk with each other. Be curious about other generations. Don't assume things about other generations and generalize and also judge them. Not every baby boomer is bad in technology and not every millennial loves avocado toast. So So it's a matter of us really being curious about each other, asking questions, learning about each other and adapting. It's so important. It's really emotional intelligence. Everything we talk about, it is knowing who we are, knowing who other people are and adapting to get the best out of them. Excellent. Where can people learn more about you and your work? They can go to my website. It is my name, dimagawi.com. And um, I have information related to my keynotes, my coaching and my workshops. 
Excellent. And we'll put that in our show notes at ally.cc. Thank you, Dima. Appreciate you. My pleasure. And I appreciate you and all the wonderful work that you're doing. Excellent. All right, everyone, find a new action that you will take and we will see you next week. We'll share resources and a transcript from this discussion at ally.cc. And please make sure to subscribe to our channel and rate this show. It makes a difference for us. Thank you for being part of our community. And remember, the more we take action, the more we grow as humans and as leaders, and the more we transform our communities. So what action will you take today? Let us know your actions by emailing podcast at changecatalyst.co or reaching out on social media. And Leading with Empathy and Allyship is a show by Change Catalyst where we build inclusive innovation through training, consulting, and events. You can learn more about us at changecatalyst.co. So let's keep building allyship across our communities and around the world. Thank you for listening.